welcome everybody welcome this is sharon smith and this is real poetry where we review the movies that talk about poets poetry or something in between i am here with my two popcorn snatchers auntie vice and marvin say what's up what up what up wow they haven't even started yet they just they got a little bit chipper and our returning guest that i actually asked him to come because i was going to ask him or his counterpart but he but he hit me first and yes welcome Welcome back and yes uh, who's my counterpart yes wait wait, i've hello it was your tribe yeah i'll try to let him get it (laughs) ike Ike Torres. Oh, Ike. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. Latinos Unidos. Hashtag Latinos Unidos. Uh, all day. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about uh, the 1996 movie of the William Shakespeare adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, starring mm. Leonardo DiCaprio as Romeo and Claire Danes as Juliet. <laughs> This one has an all-star cast. I mean, it had Her- it had Harold um, per- um, Perry nude. He played Mercutio. He also was in the movie Matrix. Mm-hmm. And you got Paul Rudd. This is Paul Rudd in his younger days, not Paul Rudd now. Not you mean Paul Rudd, who is never aged at all? No. Yeah, seriously. Pre-comedy Paul Rudd. Yeah, pre-comedy Paul Rudd. And we also got John Leguizano in this movie mm. as um, Tip Tipple. Yeah, uh, Tibble. Uh, uh, Tibble's coming Tibble. not too far off of his famous uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers feature. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't, I, I was forgot about that. that. 93. I think he tries to forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> and What's your name? Is Mario. Good. Your last name? Mario. Mario. Oh, so so had nothing to do with the uh, the actual video game. <laughs> or acting. Or acting, yeah. Well, this movie here was was directed by Boz Lutum? Lerman. 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 Who also did who also did not only this movie, but he also did Moulin Rouge, The Great Gatsby, the 2000, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was 11. Right? 11, I think. Yeah. No, 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 it was 2000. Oh, it was more recently. Yeah, the latest one, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, the latest one. I could pull it up. Uh, and then also, he did Strictly Ball, well, Strictly Ball Room, which was funny because they actually released these two, those two movies and this one together as I call a Red Curtain trilogy. DVD set in 2002. Mm-hmm. Go wow. But, yeah. No, ain't that trip. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but the film was released in November 1st, 1996. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's Back into the days, young Leonardo DiCaprio. Is in the, the before uh, four days. Oh, my God. He, <laughs> so, so I look at this movie and I forget that Leonardo DiCaprio was that much of a heartthrob back in the day because now he just has oh, a complete kind of, dad bod every time i look at him and every time they talk about him like dating a supermodel like it kind of gives me creepy vibes about him creepy vibes he Why has like the creepy, creepy dad bod vibe going on nothing against him he probably wow. is a stand-up guy but is it just me who sees that so so in i just want to let you know 
when Leonardo DiCaprio did this movie, he was only 21. Mm-hmm. He was 21? He was 21. Mm-hmm. I don't even believe he was that old. Yeah, I thought he was, he was like 21. 17, 18. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought he was like 16 or something. <laughs> nah, oh my God. he was 21. And I'll find out Claire Danes was, I think she was young too. Like 17. <laughs> I think she was 16 or 17. But here's the yeah. funny part. Navi Portman was supposed to play in this movie, but she was only 14. Oh my god. And yeah, that would have been back when she was doing um what was that one movie with, with the hitman? Oh, you uh, talking about are you talking about the professional? Yeah, the professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That would have been back in those days and she would have been mm-hmm. playing like mm-mm, look way yeah, too young. This is 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was still in my twenties. So Claire Danes right now is 42. So she was born in 79. So so she she, that makes her she's five years younger than me so that makes her 40 uh oh uh, she would have been like 17 17 yeah she was 17 yeah. wow so, 21 and a 17 year old <laughs> i mean in the actual play the age difference is like even more than that <laughs> yeah but that's why they call mm-hmm. it a romeo and juliet law now mm-hmm. yeah 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 well <laughs> besides besides that one because she the reason why um, I'm I'm gonna get some little factoids and stuff. The reason why Natalie Portman uh, was supposed to be cast as um, but she during the rehearsal she felt that she was too young for the part, and the footage lo- looked as though DiCaprio was molesting her. Wow! It would have absolutely looked like like <laughs> that mm. weird twenty five year old who decides to date a fourteen year old. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and um. Um, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Glockler was supposed to Geller. turn Geller was supposed to do it. Get it right, it's Buffy. Sarah Michelle McLaughlin, though, I love that idea. <laughs> Hold on, to that he one. couldn't do it because of scheduled conflict. So they basically went with Glenn, with Dane. So yeah, it worked out. It worked out. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of everybody who's acting in this movie, Claire Danes does a good job compared mm-hmm. to she everybody does. else. Uh, no real complaints with her. No real complaints. <laughs> with, so you want to start her. us off? I let, let, well, first of all, yeah. let's get the plot. Let's get the plot going. If anybody's never seen the movie of um, of, the play or heard or, it referenced, or yeah. had to read it in high school, <laughs> yeah, you, you should know a little bit of the parts. All those little things that come out all the time. It's always the balcony part that everyone already knows about, and how it goes up to that. You know, Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Yeah. Uh, so with this one here, <laughs> a little bit different. Instead of basically being, they made Ver- Verona Beach an actual city, or actually off the coach of the beach. And these are two rival business. They say here there are two rival <laughs> business empires. Yep. Yeah, I feel like it was shot in Venice Beach. I don't know that for sure, but I it, feel it, like they just went eh, Venice Beach. It, it definitely looks like Venice yeah. Beach. It, yeah, it was close enough. Um, says here that um, the basically the premise is two rival families. Um, you got the Mikushu, the Montagues, and you got the Cap Capulets. Capulets. Basically, been fighting for years. They're basically look at them as the Hackville McCoys of that time period. But this one's put in a modern base. So this was done '96. So if you notice, a lot of the stuff got changed. They don't have guns. I mean, they don't have swords. They have yeah. guns named dagger and sword. Yeah, like the branding. I mean, here's the thing. Like in the oh. same way that Hamlet did it, 
I admire this version a lot better. Yeah. Okay. For because their transitions into making sense of it all seems a lot more smooth than Honestly, Hamlet did. For me, it felt very ham-fisted. It feels <laughs> very like, oh well, okay. So we're gonna update it. We're gonna bring it to to the modern era. But we're gonna have guns called sword. Just give them swords. It's a fictitious I, movie. I can I go with you it. on it. <laughs> I loved it. You know what? Here's the thing. I, when I was watching it, all it could remind me of is the arcade game Crazy Taxi. Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. brought this nostalgia oh, yeah. where it's just it was ADD on crack. For <laughs> yeah, what an appropriate parallel to the pacing of this movie. <laughs> yeah, but it was like Werewolf Hamlet again, and with the Hamlet 2001, they would 2000. do these long monologue scenes with Ethan Hawke or wh- whichever characters during their speeches and everything and it was like yeah. long walks of him going down a hallway as he spoke to himself and it didn't work but then for Rattling this one it worked well for me because it just yeah. did multiple cuts and it was so fast-paced and the same scene that it worked for me like it, it kept my add mind at bay <laughs> i mean for me like i was watching this movie and i said it before we started and i'll say it gladly on camera um it, it felt like the the production crew just did a bunch of coke and shot this in a week <laughs> and i mean that like it really feels like especially at the start uh for those of us who are big fans of like cyberpunk Mm. you know that Mm -hmm. tone is exactly what i want a good cyberpunk setting to feel like because it was manic you had that um it felt like smoking aces the start where they introduce like the group and they have the big still shot and action shots it felt like that and then they quickly ditch that completely but keep the fast paced just like everybody's saying their lines so fast it feels like at times kind of like when you're in uh your high school class and everybody's popcorning back and forth but no one really wants to read so they just kind of like brush past the words (laughs) (laughs) well i didn't think it was that harsh (laughs) what do you think about it um I love this movie. This is the fourth time I've seen this film. Um, because And I love Baz Luhrmann's film. Strictly Ballroom is absolutely brilliant. And Moulin Rouge has got to be one of my favorite all-time films. Like, I love his frantic pacing. I love the, the quick cuts back and forth, the over-the-top acting. And when he's talked about this, he said, this is kind of his operatic suite. Right, these three films. Really? And it yeah, and it is very much like opera, very over the top and grandiose yeah, and that's very fair to say. Fast paced. And I, I really think he captures the opera aesthetic in this. Hmm. Right? Like, um, if you're watching something like La Triviata or um okay, no. you know, some of the, some of the other Mozart ones where it's very quick and very upbeat and mm-hmm. everybody's interacting and there's grand costuming and i love that about this and i love doing romeo and juliet operatic style because it is a perfect operatic theme right um and the way they do it and then i the way he blends it with southern california kind of skater punk culture uh with the the casting the way they look and mercutio is so over the top flamboyant drag queen and then I'll watch anything with John Leguizamo in it. He's it he's my hero, and he's brilliant. I thought as Tybalt, like this, and he plays it so big and so corny. He does. like his voice? The way I would describe it is a kid who's trying to sound tough, 
Mm-hmm. And he goes like, you know, I'm just big and bad. Like, that's how he sounds. <laughs> and, and usually it would come off very uh, uh, corny. But for some reason, it's just endearing because it's it's mm-hmm. John Leguizamo dressed like he's coming from the set of Desperado. He did oh like it's yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. With the, the I didn't even steel think of that. heels on his <laughs> yeah. boots. Oh, yeah. my God. I didn't even God. think he's of that. It, here's the thing. Like I said, it totally reminds me of Crazy Taxi. It totally reminds me of my arcade <laughs> days when I was a child. The aesthetic is just so pleasing. The colors are mm-hmm. so bright in this muted sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've been watching a lot of pure 90s movies lately mm-hmm. and reviewing them. This, this does it for me. This is like, if, if this is the last movie we watch in a while from that era, mm-hmm. Chef's Kiss, this is the way to end it for me. Really? It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it was a little bit of a, um, a rude awakening for me because I just watched... Um, the the Royal Shakespeare Company version of Hamlet <laughs> with David oh, Tennant and that. Patrick Stewart, which is very much yes. not this. Yeah. Complete Shakespearean, <laughs> like I, I'm a theater. Like actor. you feel like everybody on the production actually speaks old English on that production. Mm. Whereas with this, it feels like half the cast is a bunch of jock boys who they just kind of threw a script at oh, them yeah. and they're like, for whence thou art. <laughs> But it fits their character. And it does. It absolutely does. Like it. I, I mean that in a. It, it fits the setting very well. Yeah. What, what killed me was Jamie Kennedy's fasana on this whole thing. He was just. He just wait. always had a look of, of total. Wait, wait. I don't know, man. You know, Jamie, Jamie Kennedy. Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy was on. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was one of the. He was one of the Mercutio boys. Holy crap. I made a note like this is uh, I made a note somewhere in my notes that says this is so 90s. I'm waiting for Jamie Kennedy to pop. (laughs) I didn't realize he actually did. You know what the funny thing is? I remember recently watching the Cornetto trilogy with Simon Pegg and um, Nick Frost recently and Hot Fuzz was playing in there. You had that scene where the one of the couples that got murdered was doing a readapt. An adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, and very similarly, they wore the angel outfit, like the, literally on the nose, the angel outfit and the knight in shining armor outfit. And for the longest time, because I loved Hot Fuzz, I loved the Cornetto trilogy for the longest time, and I could never figure out why these costumes in this movie. Because I never watched Romeo and Juliet until now. Watching this and then seeing Leonardo DiCaprio and Juliet in those costumes, it just clicked for me. He's like, oh, that's why you're making fun of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. I, loved it. I just, every part of that about this movie, it's coyness, it's brazen stupidity sometimes, <laughs> aesthetic stupidity. I loved it. I dug it. Well, and the music choices are oh fantastic. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, the whole Desiree piece, whole, like, I fell in love with her because of that one. And then you have... Um, so you have here, you got the re- you get a, a redone of um, Doves Cry, When Doves Cry right. by the yeah. choir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which, that song, was beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The Desiree one was uh, Kissing Me. That was a song. Yeah, that was Kissing on Me Kissing is the one... What I what cracked me up when it came on because they were together was the Carnegie song, mm-hmm, Loveful. Mm-hmm. I stood there and I was like, "Oh, so that's how this song became popular." <laughs> I was like, "Freaking hey!" Because I was, you know, I've seen the song before. I've heard. It. I was like, oh, "It's good to love me." I'm like, "Okay, I can understand this." But then when they put it in this movie, I'm like, 
Oh, that's how it got popular. <laughs> Freaking A's. I gotta be found- honest. I, I feel the exact opposite as I think what? everybody here about the music. I, I feel like it was so on the nose <laughs> that it just took me out. Like literally in, I, I can't remember the, the, the kiss me song. Yeah. They literally say kiss me as they kiss. Right. Um, it, it, another great example of it being on the nose. They play Radiohead's song yes. called exit um, Mo- music for a movie mm-hmm. in the yeah. credits at the end of the movie. Like that's how on the nose it is. I every think- single time. And I can't speak for everybody here or anyone who's ever enjoyed this movie, but for me, I just love this because it was just so aesthetically corny. It was yeah, so on the yeah. And for someone, it's look, unapologetic. Yeah, it's, look, <laughs> I, I'll read philosophy books all day. I've finished Atlas Shrugged, but for me specifically, the bane of my existence. If you tell me to try to read this all in a month's time, or you'll kill me. Shakespearean plays, Elizabeth English. Nope. Can't do it. That's the quickest way to kill me. (laughs) No. And for me, when I watched this with how fast paced, how frenetic it was, how just how it pleased this part of me that just needed something to like constantly have motion, it worked. And I liked it because of that. And even with the soundtrack choices, and I get where you're coming from. Like I totally understand. For like, if this were any other movie, yeah, 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 I agree with you wholeheartedly. But after watching a few other movies where they just chose songs terribly, yeah. <laughs> nah, I, I, I got. I'll, I'll stay with the corny picks. Yeah. I'll stay with the corny picks all day long, especially when you're trying to get Julia Stiles to dance to "Hypnotized" by Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hypnotized by Biggie Sharon. It was. It was. And it was a very weird choice. Great beat. Great background. But when you're doing a song about some rapper who's like literally doing a braggadocious rap song, that's not a song you'd freak dance to, man. <laughs> that was the, and that was the moves that got her on Shall We Dance. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I respect it. I respect it. I mean, she got moves, clearly, but not the song to play to it. Just me. It worked then. So, so with this one, I saw that one of the songs they had on was whatever from the Butthole Surfers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a dream. And I was like, oh, okay. And Angel was done by Gavin Friday. Uh, Garbage was on this with uh, yep. number one crush. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. And yeah. also Everclear got Local God. Yeah. Yep. So, and the two Radiohead songs. Yes. Of oh, the radio song they had on here, they say it's called um, Talk Show Host. Yeah, there's Talk Show Host, and at the very end, they play uh, exit music for a film. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you, so we're seeing that this movie, kind of, I'm not saying it's a grunge movie, but it had, oh, no, no, I, I'm seeing a note here. What's, what's that, Marvin? I feel like it's far from, mm-hmm. as someone who loved and idolized the grunge era. Okay. It kind of feels far from it. It feels more like a mm-hmm. pop rock era. Absolutely, thing. Like they definitely yeah. did. Like the reason I would say when we reviewed ten re- things I hate about you is more right. grungy, right? Because oh, yeah. it matched that aesthetic. They wore plot a lot, mm-hmm. and like they played three like um bare naked ladies at first, so, like one week at first as the intro. All of a sudden, then it switched to I don't give a damn about my reputation. Yeah, that's grunge yeah. as fuck. That's yeah. '90s grunge. Well, and it's literally team. filmed in the the Seattle area too. Yeah. In Seattle, the birthplace of grunge, mm-hmm. in fucking Seattle. Like like I said <laughs> during our review that day at night. If this movie was, was a person, to Mud Hut, 
Like all I did was listen to Mud Honey and Nirvana after that <laughs> movie. Yeah, if this movie was a person, it would have uh, a white tank top, a puka shell necklace, and bleach tips. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's for most. I'd probably most... listen to some M, like early yeah. days M, yeah. like cleaning up my closet M. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's that time. So I, I looked at this movie. This movie basically grossed about a hun- 151 billion million dollars. Billion. Yeah. Billion dollars. But it only had a. Um, a budget of um i think it was 40 it was only 15 million, 15 million. Oh, wow brian he must not have been that expensive to hire then <laughs> so real quick before i get oh, 14, into the budget 14 14 million there's 14 million was the budget and 151 million was the um box office what's up good i change i take back what i said about the m thing it should be Goldfinger, Goldfinger, some playing 41. Superman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man. Absolutely. <laughs> if this movie was a song and a person playing it, yeah, Gold, Superman by Goldfinger. But that being said, I totally get why it was. It made the revenue that it was. This movie has definitely become a hallmark for a lot of English teachers. Mm-hmm. and schools apparently because this has now been like the bookmark for any kind of film ad- adaptation of Romeo and Juliet at least from what yeah. I've seen from what I've been able to research it strikes me and I actually did watch this if I remember right in high school they showed it um, and you were in high school <laughs> oh no no I was in high school after this movie came out yes um, yeah. I remember watching something from Romeo and Juliet but it was more like the film adaptation that we watched was more in line and true to the actual theater plays because it, but it was not this version of it but I'm sure if I had watched it back in high school during the time this one I probably would have dug Shakespeare more but we didn't watch really? the same one. But like, there was different school. But apparently, like, based on like, when I was looking this movie up and everything, and writing down my notes, like, apparently this movie really did strike a nerve, or not nerve, but like, it did really hold a specific place in a lot of teenagers' hearts when they were yeah. watching it, and it did open them up to that. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's due to the the pacing of it, which engages you. Whereas mm-hmm. typically, when Shakespeare is presented, it tends to be a little more down tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if it's more. presented in the class at all. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, again, as we discussed in like a previous episode too, like why, like I didn't see Hamlet in a good light, but why I admired it for all its faults was they a lot of plays, a lot of theater monologues, a lot to allow scenes to change mm-hmm. that holds differently with film but why i admired hamlet was they did those long monologues walking down the scenes where the, you see only one single character that was a great adaptation of it and for ethan, in ethan Hawke's case when he did it and played into his moody character for this film it plays well because it was fast-paced yes so i do admire these these ways to try to adapt a Shakespearean play. I have to correct myself. I didn't watch this one in high school. It was a different one. I remember because there was a scene where a boob showed up on screen. and I (laughs) (laughs) Can't remember who produced that or whatever. (laughs) The boober movie. And the teacher got in a lot of trouble, even though it was like, I remember that because I had a similar experience. I just, Mr. Williams, if you have the grace to listen to me, in this podcast 
I'm sorry, but I forget. And I all totally forgot whatever movie you showed, but you fucked up by showing a boob in whatever movie you showed us in AP Lit. Wow. Well, those kids, you know, they paid attention. Oh, yeah. totally. Oh, that, that but you were still my favorite teacher in high school, Mr. Williams. <laughs> so this book, so I found that this, all this movie was developed was in Australia. Pre-production uh, was in Australia and also Canada. Post-production was in Australia. Some of the parts that were shot were in Miami, uh, Mexico City, uh, um, Boca del Rio, um, Vera Cruz, uh, the site where the mansion, where the um, capitalist mansion was at, was a volume room that was in um, a studio, and also the church was in a was done at a Heart of Mary's in Del Valles neighborhood. So basically, I think that's in L- I think it's L.A. <coughs> so yeah, most of this movie was done. Oh no, that's in, that's in Mexico actually. Wow. Yeah. So most of this movie has. Most of the shots, like I, you know, the big, I did, I did confuse. I got, I was concerned. Like, where are they? They must have shot this somewhere, like Miami or Rio de Janeiro, because that big, that big, um, that big, um, Jesus, um, yeah. t- um, statue. I was like, okay, where the heck is that at? <laughs> 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 that's not anywhere close. I know. I was like, nah, that's not even LA. I thought it was LA. I was like, this must be in LA. It's like, nah, no. Nope. <laughs> it's like a, a slightly smaller Christ the Redeemer. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which did you know they're now building a larger one? I heard that blows my really? mind. Really? Are they? Right. Yeah. So here's the thing. I totally see. Uh, speaking back to the sets and where it was filmed, I could totally see it being in Miami or in California, mm-hmm. but I did not realize it was in Australia or anything like that. That's super surprising. Yeah. Can I can I call a timeout really quick though? You have right. to introduce your co-star if you're going to have a dog. So <laughs> for our listeners who are not seeing our live recording i have my roommate's dog max he's a super happy boy but right now he's a sad boy because his mom and dad are celebrating their promotion congrats to matt and mia for their managerial (laughs) promotion into the state and they're also celebrating mia's birthday which is on june 4th so happy (laughs) birthday to mia so i am left alone with max for the week Yay. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. He's too involved with licking my hands. <laughs> I see. You, two things you can't compete with on film. You know, one is kids and the other is dogs. No, no. <laughs> so that's at, at first I muted myself because he was like pawing at my legs because he wanted attention. Oh. Well, you know, uh, Sharon, actually, uh, did we hear from you about your thoughts on the movie? I feel like I talked. I might have I'm talked not, over you. I have not yet. Uh, so the funny thing about this movie was I know the feel of the 96 feel. I think that a lot of and that's like Mortal Kombat was coming in. A lot of movies were getting high paced with all the techno music playing around on the east side. Even what 1996 that brought out uh, through 96 through 95 to 90 to 2000. That brought out a lot of crazy movies because Blade was out at that time. Freaking, I think, I think, um, oh, Matrix was out in that time. I mean, all these movies. Too Fast, Too Furious. The too first Fast, one. Too Furious was out of the time. I mean, it's just no, a no, lot no. of movies. Fast and the Furious. It's not Too Fast, Too Furious. Too yeah, Fast, Too right. Furious was in the 2000s. Yes. That's I right. didn't realize it was that early. Holy shit. God, that makes me feel old just saying that. So <laughs> it just the feel of it made me just, it, it changed my whole perception to. This was this must have been the movie that got Hamlet greenlighted. They were mm-hmm. going to get Hamlet 2000. 
somewhat close to this, but they were like, not even possible. <laughs> this is the movie that made these those other movies possible. That's what caught my attention. Uh, I hate to say it, but this movie actually let me remind my reminded me of um the the um film rendition of Double Dragon with um Mark oh, Marco. And so I was looking good. at it and also and also I forgot her name. Um it was her name. Uh she plays in um Who's the Boss? She was the little girl and also charming. Uh oh. ah, forgot yeah. her name. Can't remember either, but I know who you're talking about. You know, Auntie Vice. You know, <laughs> I I can see your face. I, I don't know. All right, whatever. But the point the point of the matter is that it was very bright. It, you know, a lot of other movies we've seen. Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano. Alyssa yeah. Milano. Yes. There's there's been a lot of movies that are not this bright. This one was bright. Everyone had color. It, even the henchmen had color. Well. The cap, the the Kaputis did not have colors. They had all black, but looking more like they looked like desperados all the way. I was like, yeah. "Wow!" And then you got the you got the got the surf boys, and it's like, <laughs> this is a weird connection. And then seeing Jamie, just seeing Jamie Kennedy, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still shocked he was in this movie. <laughs> it, it was just it was just fun, and also seeing the guns. Named sword and dagger and dagger and, and long laughing. sword. Yes, I'm like I'm just <laughs> laughing my head off. Going, they had to call it something. They're like, I have to use something. And it's like, but they didn't. They could have just left them guns, and I would have totally tracked with everything they were doing. But See, everything I, but on I, this is so over the top. Yeah, you exactly. have to do that. Yeah, I, I love the choice to not just name them sword and long sword, but they actually zoom in on uh-huh. like, the edge of the barrel. <laughs> like, oh, and they, they, they've got those painted <laughs> handles with the yes. Virgin of Guadalupe on there. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> I, it's awesome. I think one of the guns dropped and it said dagger on it. And they're, uh-huh. they're both running at it. So I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? I mean, and just the end. And just the whole gas station scene. Oh, yeah. I, I was I'm not like, going to lie. For me, that was my favorite scene. <laughs> That's exactly what reminded me of Crazy Taxi, that like fast-paced, frenetic movements, the cuts, the the brightness of it, and then the how fast-paced they were talking. Oh. Well, and that's been my favorite interpretation of that scene, because it is such an over-the-top interaction in the play yeah. that I think they really captured the spirit with the, do you bite your thumb at me, sir, sir? No. You know, and he finally bites his thumb at him. And it's just <laughs> that expression on his face when he bites his thumb is so clownish, but it fits so perfectly. Yeah, because like... Oh, sorry. Go for it. No, I was gonna say I was surprised you didn't see that. That was Jamie Kennedy did the thumb, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't even recognize him. That That's actually crazy. makes sense yeah. because I remember biting the thumb. I re- I actually do recall it when we read about it in the high school, but watching it in film definitely was something else for me. Mm-hmm. But it was fun to watch. If I saw, if I read it, I remember reading it was a total ex- different experience than watching yeah. that film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they really, as a kid, I could totally see reading Bite Your Thumb at someone going, like, what the hell does that mean? And they really played it up enough that, like, oh, okay, he's just being disrespectful. Yeah. And it's yeah. basically the middle finger without the middle finger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say, no, I just, I just looked it up. Bad Boy was in 95. This was in 90. I think, I think, 
Boz took a few of Michael Bay's little quips and said, hey, let's start this up. I'm going to get this thing moving. Let's blow this movie up. Because I was like, there's a few times it's just a little bit too close to enamored. All he needed was the spiral scene. And I was like, whatever. He's a Mike, he's a Michael Bay one. But no, this this actually was a good, this was a very good movie. Um, it took, it. the mother speak, I have to, I always have to take my mind and just stand there and listen, concentrate, because they really, like you said, they really go into the very fast. Even with all the movements, the rolling around, I was like, okay, y'all in the water too much. Y'all jumped in the water. Y'all yeah. should have drowned because y'all freaking talking while you're trying to do this. I'm just like, you're freaking me out for three seconds here. So I, I enjoyed the movie, even with all the Disney's and also a lot of the states, they made their own little prop stage. And and like I said, McCusha was on point. Mm-hmm. They used that stage to the fullest. I mean, they used mm-hmm. that stage. They used the mansion. They used yeah. the globe bar. Oh, yeah, the globe yeah. bar. I mean, everything was everything here was never fluff. Everything was used. If yeah. they if I mean, if they did, if they did the whole the, the you know, cop scenes and Coming in, everyone driving around. I was just like, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna get a little, little, little grim, grimly, you know, you know, a little gorilla here doing this whole thing. But it was bomb. And, and you brought up Mercutio, uh, uh, Harold Perrineau, who I feel yes. like is an actor that doesn't get nearly enough respect. Yeah. This is a a year before Oz started, yeah. which is he kills it as a narrator in that. And I had always yes. wondered, like, it, did he figure out? this like poetic cadence for Oz mm-hmm. beforehand and you watch him do uh Shakespearean verbiage in this movie and he's one of the only actors who feels natural doing it yeah like he's not forcing it out it just feels like it comes naturally I'm like oh, okay that's clearly something he's practiced and at least knows something about see here's here's the thing that always bother me so when you start looking at some of the award accolades of where people point them at I'm like there's some people that should have got, you know, John Leguizamo, just just his just his character, and also Harold and Mercutio. I mean, they should have been at least supporting actor nominations. Yeah, yeah those, those two. were mm-hmm. two brilliant. I yeah, mean, I would have given it to Harold before John any day. But yeah. I'm saying, I'm, I'm but saying I mean, they're so good. <laughs> they're so good. But I mean, but in but in the retrospect of all of all the, the shots they did, mm. I mean, Mercutio brought. I mean, I think they might have not known. Just because Mikuso played a drag queen, they probably are looking at like, oh, we can't yeah. give to him. Whatever. Good old 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. But no, I I was just by witnessing him. So he is, so he's right now 57. Mm-hmm. So he was like in his, tw- like, what is his 20s? Or 25 years? That sounds about he was, right. He was yeah. like, he was like in his, Late 20s, his early 30s. 30s. Yeah, early yeah. 30s when he's doing this. Dreadlocks all ripped out, <laughs> still going at him like, and still. And the most animated. I mean, out of yes. all the other, oh my god, out of all the Montagues, he was the most animated. Sure. When you saw him come up, he took the stage, which yeah. which ticked me off because it was like we want to see more Mercutio and how he's acting. Yeah. I mean, it's like, almost he steals the scene every scene he, he does. does. And he, oh my god, his death scene is just oh. phenomenal. <laughs> like, oh, it was so good. I mean, it just, almost goes too big for me. Uh, to be honest, really? but it, it, it borders. It's still, it's amazing. If they had gone a little bit further with it, it would have been yeah. a little too much. Like when he says, um, uh, a box on both your houses yep. and immediately yes. the storm rolls in yeah. out of nowhere. Uh. Like, 
okay <laughs> that's that's borderline a bit much but still it, it was See, nice for me at that point when he he's going to spit a flesh wound and all i can see is monty python's black knight <laughs> Just bit of flesh wound, <laughs> I guess, and that kind of like feeds into to why I didn't enjoy this movie as much Ooh. personally. Um, is that I couldn't tell if they were taking it seriously or not. Mm. You think like, they weren't? But like, it's overacted I to think, an okay, extreme so, degree, uh, which is nice, which is good, and I I enjoyed it. But I just couldn't figure out in the back of my mind watching it, like. Is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to be taken seriously, or am I just here for the ride, kind of like watching an action film? Hmm. I see it more in line with like how John Waters pushes the lines with perversion in film. Mm. Um, and I wish he were my uncle. He's amazing, but um, <laughs> the way he does that, like with with his aesthetics and the the acting and everything, this does it in the kind of over-the-top playful mm-hmm. manner, um, you know. And what I love about Lerman's films is it is play and joy, even in the tragedies, and it's, yeah. which is, again, very operatic, right? Yeah. You know, you're dying of consumption. You know, Mimi's, Mimi's sitting there dying of consumption and still hitting high C. So, you know, it's... <laughs> I think for me, watching this, this feels more like a high school student who was given... A budget more than he was willing to get. Really, it, it definitely feels like that. It definitely feels like that for me. Like it, it's like this is definitely like how and yes, has said a high school student was given the reins to do his own little film project of how he saw a specific scene in Romeo and Juliet. All of a sudden, he was given a million dollars and told <laughs> forget the scene. Do the whole fucking play. <laughs> then we go out home, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. But you, but you can see it's clearly my aesthetic by the wallpaper behind me. <laughs> like, it fits. This yeah. is my aesthetic. And, like, uh, I, I guess yeah. it, it goes into, like, if you go into this with the right mindset, you can enjoy it a lot. Like I said, I'd come off of watching the, the Royal Shakespeare version of Hamlet, which is not the right ease in. Transition. To Route 66 would be a great. Uh, movie wow. to watch beforehand. <laughs> or that or Fu Manchu. And I, I love that movie. Yeah, Fu Manchu. Like, Tom, I love Tom Fu, yeah. <laughs> so, the drag. So, so, uh, so one of the things that they basically said that was different from the film from the original play is while it retained a, a lot of the original Shakespearean dialogue, the film represented um, the Montagues and Cap, uh, Capulti? Capulets. Mm-hmm. Capulets. It's Capulets. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. As warring mafia empires. With legit with legitimate business fronts in um, contemporary America, where swords were replaced by guns, the brand name dagger and sword, uh, the um, FedEx style delivery service uh, is called Post Haste. Some of the uh. some of the characters, yeah, <laughs> some of the characters' names that were changed: Paris Lord and Lady uh, Montague, and Lord and Lady um, Capulus were given first names. Mm-hmm. In the original, the, their first names are never mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fire Lauren becomes Father Lauren, Lawrence. Right. Uh, the Prince um, Eculus is rewritten as the um, police chief of mm-hmm. Verna, Verna Beach, with um, his um, renamed Captain Prince. Yeah. Uh, the adaptation. He did a great job, too. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Is um, what's the Vonnie um Curtis Curtis Hall? Uh, he's been. He's, um, he's a good actor. Yes. He's yeah. Been, he did a great job with this. Mm-hmm. He's been in stuff. Yeah. He's been in several several stuff. I mean, even in the latest, he was in um um Daredevil. He was yeah. he was in he was in Daredevil the Netflix series. Oh, okay. Too, mm-hmm. So yeah. And, and the other thing I forgot to mention at the very start of the movie, uh, I, I loved this as the intro and the outro for the movie of the the journalist. Yes, mm-hmm. the opening narrator and the closing narrator. I was like, that's beautiful. Is that like, what a choice? So you know, that, so here's go oh, go ahead, Sharon. Sorry, about I was that. gonna say that was used in Hamlet 2000. So I was oh. kind of like, it's like, oh, I seen that. I seen I that actually. But go ahead. I was actually make, about to make the same mention. <laughs> there are certain Sorry. things about this movie you can totally see how other films have mm-hmm. been inspired or have taken liberties out of what they like aesthetic filming choices. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, that outro where they go, and so concludes the story about Juliet and her Romeo, and then the TV blanks out or has uh-huh. goes to static. You you even see that in um, the late the most recent Tron movie mm-hmm. where they mention oh, yes. Flynn's death and the, the TV blacks like that old school retro TV blacks out and then it goes yeah. to the rest of the movie. Like, this movie, de- strangely enough, I didn't realize has influenced a lot of other films. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and oh, it's yeah. got so many great uh, actors whose names I have no idea who they are. But like the the person who pr- plays the uh, the priest, he is very much a character actor who always plays the evil mm-hmm. government official. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that very much my experience with his acting of roles he's had after very much tainted my view of the priest uh. in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was like sitting for here. instance, uh, oh. Juliet's yeah. father is in Goodfellas. He plays nice. the boss. Ah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I forget who else in the movie was like really important that I remember seeing in other movies. But like, a lot of actors in this movie has just gotten their either got their start or had a very good solid base before hitting an entirely new stratosphere mm-hmm. after yeah. this movie. In my notes, I call uh, uh, the the father of Juliet uh, Big Daddy Capulet because you just meet him. <laughs> The first time he's got the towel on with the oh, yeah. chest. It like, makes sense though. I mean, they turned the <laughs> Montagues and the Capulets into crime families. Yeah. And personally, I love this new adaption of how they made it. Despite yeah. the swords and the daggers as guns, changing them into feuding crime families was makes such so much a nice, sense. Yeah. yeah, it may it, it, like for a modern nineties era when they're still talking about when the war on drugs, quote unquote, was such is still such a huge topic mm-hmm. in our zeitgeist. Making them crime families had a nice little ring to it for me. Mm-hmm. And I think because they also had to add in they add in the the um the um Catholicism charm. So they brought in oh yeah 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 they brought yeah. in a lot of the Catholicism. Uh, mm-hmm. The gentleman who played um the um Father Lawrence, his name is Pete um Postlewaite. Mm-hmm. He, he died unfortunately he died in 2011 but yeah he's been a series of movies um from way back when i mean he's done serpent's kiss he's also been he was the he oh i remember him he was the gun he was the gunman that got killed in lost world of um jurassic park that's right yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. He, was, he was in alice in wonderland he was, he was in several yeah. 
uh, Cowboy Up. Was he in Rats. the Born Identity movies? I feel like. Yeah. Um, unless I'm thinking of someone else. No, he wasn't in the Born Identity. He was in the class of Titans, the latest class of Titans. Okay. Movie. He was in that. He was in the I Omen. must be crossing him up. He was in the Omen as Father Br- um, Brennan. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So he's he's been, he's played in several movies um <laughs> ever since actually since the two uh, since nineteen seventy five mm. so he's he's been in a lot uh, uh other uh, the other people that were known yeah a lot of those guys play mafia bosses um Paul mm. Severo who plays um the father Caplet he was mm-hmm. he's, he's he's played in Goodfellas he's also um uh, Brian um Denny Denahey. Then he, mm. yeah, yeah, he, he mm. was in Cocoon. Yeah. He was in Cocoon. So there we go. That was who I was thinking. Was yeah. like the guy who played the, was the Montague dad? Like, that's who he played, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly Cocoon. who else I was thinking. Yeah. Him playing from Cocoon. Cocoon. So that, I did, I did learn one thing that they basically did change. They said the adaptation eliminated some, uh, the character of Friar John. Mm. And some characters changed families. Like in the original, Gregory and Sampson were um, Capulets. Capulets. But in this film, they're Montagues. And even even the controversy, a- Abram, or was it Abra, the guy, Abra, mm-hmm. he got switched from Montagues to Kaplan. Kaplan. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, there's, they had a few people they switched around. And it's like, oh, okay. So that's. And, that's and I wonder why they did it too, because I don't remember them having like big parts or reasons why you would switch them. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's a good point. I feel like personally, for me, with this movie, with the specific pacing that it had mm-hmm. they definitely needed to cut a lot of characters with yeah it we, to add in more characters with how short paced with how quick they were trying to do this they definitely had to like cut out characters who had minimal lines, lines. yeah yeah right. while plot specific minimal lines they probably cut them out gave it to other characters as they already did to keep the movie going because they did take a lot of liberties. Like for instance, um, father Lawrence, I forget what it was. His original name in the Shakespearean play was, but they they changed it to father. Yeah. Yeah. It's Friar Lawrence. Friar there. Exactly. How many people would in the modern era, nineties or not even (laughs) nineties, but like eighties, maybe seventies, even onwards would realize what Friar meant. What it meant for the church, what it would what, what even stand for. Yeah, yeah. Father definitely makes better sense. Yeah, and I mean, like uh, in terms of the play, uh, from what I was able to read and what I understand of it, typically the play runs about two hours and forty five minutes to three hours. This is a two hour movie, which I'm yes. shocked it's that long. <laughs> three hours. That's that's the unextended version of Fellowship of the Rings. That's yeah. a lot. That's yeah. That's a huge commitment. That's. I'm still waiting for the 1996 Romeo and Juliet Snyder cut. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> no. I'm you, not. You, it doesn't matter if it's a Snyder cut or not. It's still a bad. Still bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm probably alienating DC fans. But look, it's bad. Still, it's bad. I don't care. Really. That's a whole so, other. That's a whole other podcast we can go with. Oh, that's a. I will write a goddamn thesis statement on why it's still bad. It doesn't matter if you're a fanboy or not. So with so as you know, um, Romeo and Juliet has always been one that has been 
developed and readapted in so many different ways. I mean, West Side Story done it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Tromo and, and Juliet. Norm, um, Nom, Nomeo and Juliet. I mean, it's been... Oh, my God. Yes, Nomeo, yes. <laughs> the other one was Tromeo, which was <laughs> off the Toxic Avengers type thing. They had, a, they had their own little version. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting knowing all these different versions have been made. And yet, this one here gets a lot of revere mm-hmm. as being as being well, it gets a lot of revere, but back in those times, back in 96, I, I read that Robert Eber he gave it two out of four. Yeah, said this one was just a little he said this one was a little just too far as a punk version of Romeo and Juliet <laughs> of Shakespeare. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it needed to go into this time. Mm-hmm. And doing oh, like what's up? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead, and then I'll I'll say what else. I was going to say with with this one in mind. I mean, I think I think it hit a little closer, better than Hamlet did, and that's one thing that actually surprised me because Hamlet tried to still hold on to its, you know, the lords and the king and the whole the whole monarchy instead of looking at everyone as their executives or. Family members, like you're my family, and this and that. They're all looked in as a monarchy of Lord, his Lord. This, I'm like, you really need to go ahead? Yes, boss. Yes, boss. <laughs> and see, that's what took me out of Hamlet. But then if you look at things such as this one, look, I love Robert Eden. I actually really do. I grew up watching his shit because, honestly... <laughs> There was no other channels for me to watch on our shitty antenna. Yep, really? <laughs> really, there wasn't. Like we, all I got was Fox and some other bullshit channel because our antenna <laughs> wasn't like, adjusted properly growing up. But that being said, like when I look at Robert Ebert's reviews, like his opinion is not the end all be all. I enjoyed this movie, and I say this as a person who loves film in the same way that Robert Ebert did. Sometimes the opinion of a specific individual doesn't really matter, especially if they're in the public zeitgeist. This movie, if I I can guarantee you, if I watched it in high school, probably would have got me more into like the theater. Yeah. Mm. And and I could see how someone who is like high art minded, quote in air quotes, heavy air quotes season there, uh, could look at this film and go like, oh, it's too punk it's too guttural it's too action movie forward Mm. for it to it to be any really um it to have any worth in terms of like an artistic statement but if you look at it for the package that it is it's it's a fun ride (laughs) this is this is but this is another reason why i say that because it got several awards yeah yeah. i mean it didn't get it didn't get any oscar let's just play that point it didn't get an Oscar, but it got mm. like MTV, BAFTA. Yeah. I mean, it got this is right up MTV. Tyler. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, well, MTV, yeah, Fox put money into it, but MTV, yeah. Uh, 1997, the blockbuster when blockbuster was doing awards, they gave this thing a reward. Uh, yeah, you you laugh, I know. Yeah, it's it's, it's that way, but you know what? That's got, what I also forgot. MTV. That's another. <laughs> oh, they style were. choice that this movie took liberties yeah. from. Oh, MTV yeah, yeah, yeah. plugged this movie hard when it came out. <laughs> they were plugging this thing so hard. They wanted everyone to see this. I was like, okay. <laughs> but all in all, like I said, like I was saying before with the um, 
think of this like this. When they made Wizard of Oz, everyone was, you know, everyone loved it. But when they made The Wiz, they gave it, they thumbed it down. They're like, how could they do this? Mm-hmm. I feel the same way with this. Like, you see plays made for Romeo and Juliet, and then they do their, then they do this rendition, and people get a little crosshead. Like, mm-hmm. nah. You didn't produce it in the same way that I've seen it before. <laughs> how dare well, you? And this is competing at the same time as the Kenneth Branagh adaptations of yeah. much ado about nothing and uh taming of the shrew and several others and he well that came 2000 well, yeah yeah but yeah. i mean it's in that time period where he's making those adaptations and that was the expected style of a shakespearean film hmm. <laughs> didn't think about that <laughs> right but does anybody else have anything they want to say about this movie um uh, <laughs> this is just a general thing about um I guess Hollywood in general, but uh, the the scene where Romeo finds Juliet dead, quote unquote, and then takes the poison himself. Mm-hmm. She wakes up. Yes, he hasn't taken the poison yet. Oh, it po- it He's his staring at him with this vial in his hands, putting it to his lips. She says nothing. I'm like, <laughs> like that's a well, weird direction choice for me. Like, why wouldn't you have her wake up just? after he's taken it because at that point Mm -hmm. she kind of seems like either stupid or or just intentionally watching him to see what he does i don't i don't i'm thinking you're very 14 like yeah that's true are you gonna do it like you don't want him to do it but you want to know if they're gonna do it but like becky i gotta find out speaking as an emo child in the early 2000s I am ashamed to admit that totally would have been me. Do you love me enough? I'm going to like tie a metaphorical noose around my neck and wait for you to say you love me. Total terrible behavior. Wow. Might I add, I would still like to admit, terrible behavior on my part, my teenage years. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, totally get where she's coming from. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny because like she, she watches him. Uh-huh. Take the oh, thing, does. and she just and she like reaches up to put a hand on the cheek. And it's just like, like doesn't knock that shit away. Just fucking like, say so. Say hi. You would have saved his life. You just say hi. <laughs> so wait a minute. So in the I remember in the play that Juliet took the poison, and when she was coming out, she wasn't able to talk yet. Is that oh, okay? I think I that was the point. She wasn't able to talk yet until until you already. I took thought the it was like, like she takes the poison romeo finds her and then yeah like romeo takes it before she wakes up then she wakes up seeing his dead body and goes like oh fuck no they they, there is an exchange between them but he's already taken the poison by the time she comes to that's right okay that's just my missed memory then (laughs) she's she's all like my job you've made poison enough drop to drink and i'm like lips and take poison from your lips but as, as someone who who saw the the gun named sword and the <laughs> gun named dagger, it, it felt so oddly. It, it just felt weird that she grabs the gun, <laughs> and like there's no mess. It's just no. It's so, the neatest exit wound yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little black mark on her head. And she's laying very serenely next to him, and right. they play this soft, sweet music. Yes. That I'm like, this isn't a romantic, this is a tragic moment. <laughs> <laughs> We've had so many talks about some of the music choices they've had on. <laughs> yeah. Just like, is that what I think they're playing? <laughs> they play Outcast. What? what was that? 
Hypnotize what? <laughs> no, no, they play, they play Quimini, the Outcast song. I still explain that I'm okay with a Quimini. I'm perfectly okay with a Quimini during a sex scene. Andre Three Thousand said he wasn't sure about anything. That scene was literally about a man who wasn't sure if his woman was cheating on him or not while they had sex. Mm-hmm. That made sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is Julio Styles. Freaking to Biggie Small saying, yo, I was still cool while I was wearing underoos. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that. I fucking stand by that. Wow. That's more than fair. That's more than fair. But um, <laughs> I will go to my fucking And like the, the only other thing the only other thing I could say is that for a movie that's so frenetic and fast paced when it comes to the the pre-insinuated sex scene between these two underage people, they very much take their time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, the whole movie stops for it. And I'm like... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. We, we, we see you, movie. We see you, movie. <laughs> but just like everything else, now we're getting ready to go into our snap judgment. Well, we basically, in snap judgment, we rate and review the movie that we currently have seen with... Snaps. So, if we go from uh, three snaps all the way down to one. Three snaps, this movie's great. It got an uh, Oscar. It should have made, they should be making more of these. Maybe Matrix is the same thing as this. Wow. Uh, two snaps. It's not that bad, but it's not that good. One snap. This movie should go back to card where Car- the cardigans did and stay there and stop being moved <laughs> over. Love me, love me, nothing, love fool. Stay there. <laughs> we do everything in quarter snaps. The quarter snaps is this. This is the quarter snap. This is the half snap. We don't have a three quarter snap. Sue me if you want to make one up. Make one up. I don't care. You want to make like you know this. that's how that's how Auntie Rice got the half the quarter snap is I just made it up one day. <laughs> I'm like I don't know if this should be the quarter snap or something, but it'll take both hands away. So I don't know. three quarter snaps. So we got quarter and half. Don't don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. No, <laughs> so what we're gonna do is what are you doing, Marvin? Are you showing me your balls? His do- <laughs> this dude, this dog oh. just wants to play, and I'm showing you that I'm still paying attention. Are we having a Jeffrey Tubin moment? Oh, we're gonna yes. have something. Yes, and what are. a name for that. That's so on the nose. <laughs> like a tubin is gonna become a thing. <laughs> Pulling a tubin. <laughs> I'm still sad, Gucci face, or what was it? That, Fuchi. Uh, it's Fuchi face. Fuchi, Fuchi face. Fuchi face. Fuchi face. Fuchi face. <laughs> Did not catch on. <laughs> we, then keep on putting it out. Fuchi face. Okay. Uh, we'll close our eyes and count to three. Ooh. And then throw our throw our hand gesture out of what we rate this movie. Um. So so from like so we have three snaps. So do I hold so up you can like do a like little... two and a half? No. Okay. Two gotcha. And a quarter. Cool. 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 Well, cool, I know cool. not. You'll do two and a half. Three is the top. Two and a half, one. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So close our eyes. Let's fill our zen. And I will count to three to throw your number up. One, two, three. Open your eyes. 
Let's see what we got. Oh, okay. This is really I I really okay. <laughs> we got here what? three, three and a half, two and a half, two and one and a half. This is the wildest. I almost oh, gave it a one. <laughs> I don't know if I start with the, the best, the top number or the lowest number. You know start what? With the lowest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, well, you yeah. know what? You know, we need to hear. Okay, I'll, I'll start with the bad to the good. Okay, let, let's go with. And yes, why'd you give this a one and a half? One and a half. So if you if our listeners recall, uh, when we watched <laughs> Slam, I gave it half of a snap. Yes, um, so I'm grading this a bit on a curve. I went like with Slam, I wouldn't watch it again. With this, <laughs> given the discussion, and if this discussion had never happened, I would not. I would rate it half a snap. But uh, because of the discussion and the things, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to reapproach this and then reassess. So I gave it one and a half snaps. I gave it a, a bonus snap in benefit of it uh, because Wait I still minute, didn't half? quite. Was well, the, the half was like the the starter. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to be rude and be like zero snaps. <laughs> you could, but um, for for me, yeah. One and a half because I just didn't vibe with the general tone and feel. I get why people would appreciate it, which is another reason why I gave it the one and a half personally. Mm -hmm. But for me, it just wasn't what I was looking for from this movie. Uh, And a lot of the acting felt very forced. Mm. And the music choices, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Marvin, why did you give it two snaps? So I'm the complete opposite visuals the music the choices and how they edited this completely made sense to me as someone who is incredibly who has an incredible short attention span this (laughs) caught my attention it works as someone like look if i watched this in my teenage years with the amount of attention i was willing to pay to anything this would have worked I probably would have enjoyed certain things in literature a little bit more. Like anything that used a specific Elizabethan English, I probably would have paid a little bit more respect to it. Back in the day, knowing how I was, Waterbird, this, I don't even speak it in this way, the King's English, <laughs> whatever, we live in America. <laughs> Without appreciating the era it came from, the work that took to be for it to become what it was. This movie, in my opinion, if it was shown to anyone else, and I don't know what it would be like in the 2020s, maybe it would resonate less. But as someone who grew up in that era, this would have resonated with me, and that's why I give it a two. Sharon. Two and a half. So I give it. So one thing this movie did bring it did bring the characters. I feel more to life. I mean, it kind of gave it a little bit. It kind of took off a little of the polish of them wearing, um, them wearing um, knight's armor or even just wearing whatever peasant clothes they they possibly could. It did bring in the modern modernization of it. Uh, I did. I was. I think my I think my biggest thing out of this movie was the fact I believe of all the people, Mercutio and freaking Timbolt should have got something. They brought the movie to this. 
But I understand you you got Leonardo DiCaprio, you got Claire Danes as the main characters of this movie is about. But I'm saying some of these supporting actors can make or break this. And they brought they brought the the feel. And I even the even the chief of police brought some feel into mm-hmm. this freaking movie. So I mean it's it kills me when the people who get the the you know the homage or make the you know, get the rewards are never are sometimes never the supporting actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that you know freaking some there there are some supporting actors got it. Uh, I'll we'll talk about that later. But this movie had good had some star-studded supporting actors that should have got more accolades than a lot of the other people did. Um, on the bad side, I do feel like this movie was trying. <laughs> they were trying to adapt something that I think I think today's kids can get it. But still, a few people from the back of the days, even England, even probably in, over in England, they just kind of look at it like eh, it's not, it's not us, it's not how we do it. It's like, well, that's the point. But who am I to judge? Some people have their things, so I gave it a two point. I gave it a half off because I thought it had a good run. It it kind of is dated because it's nineties. It's in the nineties <laughs> movie, so kind of I understand the dating. But I did get a kick out of a lot of the um, the gunfights. I did get a kick out of a lot of the um, the the um, the dialogue back and forth. I even, I even got kicked out of the whole the whole balcony scene and falling into the water and freaking wishing around in the in the freaking pool, which I know that must have been that must have been a lot of soaking. <laughs> that's wet. I I've been I've been with police for it, but yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I want to point out real quick before we go into the last um, judgment of why the score was Mufanti Vice, I forgot to mention, you're right. You mentioned the Chiefs of Police. One thing I did admire of how this movie adapted the scenes was the police force, whereas jo- Romeo and Juliet, it was the monarchy that kept the law. How That's extremely hard in the 90s. Even for a specific, for a crowd that specifically understands that, to really put into notion of how easy it is for them to put everybody in place, to change that up instead of saying the quote unquote president or whatever law ruling law was, but to put it as the police in the nineties was a very fantastic change up in my opinion instead of saying the president said this the prince said this the king said this but to change it to the police force was a nice touch yeah, well, but that's yeah, just me strong choice yeah <laughs> don't, <say that laughs> don't do disclaimers you said it take it <laughs> <laughs> auntie vice tell us why did you give this the three <laughs> i love this film i love all of Lerman's films. I think they're incredibly beautiful and fun to watch. Um, and, I, you know, I love camp. Camp is in my soul. And this is this is campy. This is oh, a very okay. campy take on Romeo and Juliet, down to the costuming and the, the maid running around all the time. Juliet! Juliet! I fucking love yes. the maid! Um, and it's just... I love how he owned it. Like, there is no other interpretation out there close to this. Mm-hmm. And he made it his own. 
Um, and of course, John Leguizamo. I fucking adore him. Um, and in this one, when he was um, to lose the trek in in uh, Moulin Rouge in the next, he just he brings it in these roles, and you can see him so subtle on stage, and so his monologues are phenomenal. But then he comes out. As, as Tybalt in this one, and it's it's so such a different character, and he does it so well. Yeah, he's so underrated. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah. And the play did um, when Romeo and Marcuccio went to the um, the Capulet's house for the party and stuff. Did Romeo take any kind of drugs or anything? No, no, he just got drunk, if I recall. Yeah, this one they basically you know he took ecstasy. So they had to throw yeah, the ecstasy yeah, thing yeah, in yeah. to make him have like these hallucinations and stuff. So, <laughs> but again, that that makes sense to me. Nineties and eighties was really big on. It's something on like drugs. Venice Beach at a high end party, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, uh, alcohol is a pretty safe bet. It's like yeah. easy fun, especially with even like even like ignoring how it is now, but like even then in the nineties. They made it such a socially acceptable thing. It's like, okay, you drink, no big deal. Yeah. Let's throw in the big bad boy, quote unquote, things, which was yeah. drugs. Yeah. But they were so calm with the, I mean, they're so calm with the <laughs> fact of the guns. I mean, each place had their own little gun, little gun shack. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, no, no ticket, no guns. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Is it wrong so- that I thought that that's more secure than the US Capitol? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, man, it was the '90s. You don't even know. Hey, it was an open door. They just walked in. <laughs> oh God, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna open that. <laughs> open the door. We can't be that I'm, podcast. We can't. We can evolve to be that podcast. For and our yes, podcast listeners, that was 100 percent sarcasm. <laughs> I've got to say, hey Texas, this is your future. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No joke. So, mm-hmm. so knowing this movie is twenty five years old, wow. my question to I can all buy y'all: This movie a drink now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am old. <laughs> Would you show this movie to a poet, a non-poet, or both? I know, I know, I'll device but now I'm, now I'm looking at the two below numbers. <laughs> Would I show this to a poet, a non-poet, or both? Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if I would show it to myself again. <laughs> uh, but, wow. But if it was like in the right setting, if if I'm at a party where we're talking about like poetry, but we're looking for a fun atmosphere. This and is you a great just take an ecstasy. Yeah. And you just take an ecstasy. This is a great movie for that. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Marvin? I I think certainly I wouldn't show it to a contemporary poet right now, like especially with like how everything has evolved. Mm-hmm. But to a high school student who's still trying to get into that scene, who's developing a, an artistic sense, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. They would need to. I would totally show this to them. This this is how you show out. This is how you become someone who is confident in themselves artistically. Yeah. Maybe I mean, that's not you, but this isn't a great example mm-hmm. of being confident in yourself and in a specific art form. Yeah. I mean, this movie makes very strong choices unapologetically, and that's definitely something I can't take away from it. 
Well, and I can I can see showing film perspective film students like the Lerman films and then John Waters films on how to really make the medium your own. Both of those directors do stuff that doesn't reflect anything else in the industry by a mile. Um, And they still have quite a voice and, and are into that. Yeah, Yeah, I could concur on that. I mean, they had a lot of, they, they used up the, the chapel, all the freaking all the freaking candles in that freaking de- I'm like, how many candles? My God! <laughs> no one's watching. Oh, yeah. It's totally cliche, but you know what? That's where the cliche started. That's, part of the and it- That's straight Ooh. out of Bauhaus music. You, yeah, know? Yeah. you expect Bella Lugosi's dead playing. <laughs> Before my era. Doesn't matter. It works. It worked for me. <laughs> and I, I did um, uh, something I, I forgot to mention that's in my notes. Um, the the inversion of the um, the the scene oh where for yonder like for art thou yeah yeah where she Balcony. she comes out the front door yeah. and he's kind of like behind her instead of her being up there because he starts to climb up uh-huh. to yeah. her balcony and then the maid comes out yeah <laughs> and then he like falls I, I appreciated that yeah <laughs> so a little little tongue to cheek i was like ah, i see yeah, what you yeah, did yeah. there i see what you did this isn't your normal romeo and juliet <laughs> like thing, ah, what do we got guys <laughs> well <laughs> all together it is nine out of 12 snaps very respectable well, score yeah not, not, not bad i mean better than what we gave hamlet so <laughs> it's also better what we than what we gave mulan yeah, or slam. You had to get it in. You were you pushing it to right to the You thought show. I would forget. <laughs> no. I, I thought we almost might get through it without you doing it. Nah, you, you thought I would forget. Right you got to remind people. No, no, you I'm still big mad it. about this movie. I am still super pissed about this movie. Man, he was you mad thought about I would it. forget. You were mad about it when I did Slam. Exactly. <laughs> he's mad about it in every show. Every show. <laughs> he's he's holding the grudge. He's holding in more than Coella. Well, the bill that's what came out today. Haha. <laughs> so, altogether, you see, we all have our different opinions. We hope you have an opinion. Watch you basically write your opinion in the review and or subscribe and post and let us know. And we will maybe you say your opinion on the next show. I am Sharon Smith. That is Auntie Vice. That's Marvin. That is. And yes, and yes, give the people your social media. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you I'll bust out my wall now. Yeah, exactly. I gotta, you got to do Kool-Aid, man. Um, Operation Free Soul is actually my new branding. I started running, um, well, I ran workshops teaching people grants and such, how to write grants as an artist for artists. Um on top of that, I've got a whole podcast myself, which is the Free Soul Podcast. That is a short-term thing that me and Mr. Sharon talked about maybe a little bit of a, here you go. I'm going to do a little handoff to, to Mr. Sharon so he oh. can take those episodes and actually put them somewhere where people listen. <laughs> I'm all down for that. I'm all down for that, sir. But yeah, uh, OperationFreeSoul.com, Operation Free Soul on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, uh also lazily on uh, 
easily uh, <laughs> on that 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 whatever it's called TikTok that that oh. one <laughs> extremely lazily. I can't even remember the name yeah. of the. Do app. you do a dance? <laughs> That's big moves right there, though. I know all the kids. I don't do the dances. I should. <laughs> I I also don't care do that dances, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I will do the dances with you. <laughs> I'll put it this way. I'm 33, about to be 34. I have no business being on TikTok. <laughs> As a 31-year-old, I will do the dances with you. I don't Thank care. You. Thank you. Only if you bring your dog, though. Y'all we gotta. Are... That's the only well, way see, to get Not it. my dog, but I will totally bring it with you either way. Good. Good, good. No, kidnap no, that dog. Mad no, Mia, no. if you hear this, I didn't mean to kidnap, but someone else. Hashtag kidnap that and dog. I, and I cannot deny this request. <laughs> <laughs> They make us mad. We're on our we're in our forties. They're just dying for their thirties. Like, and me in my thirties, I'm like, that's like half of TikTok is just talking shit about people who are older than twenty five. You know what? You know what the craziest thing is? They're talking about the emo era again. And like, oh, I love the emo era. I love this music. I wish I grew up in the era, motherfucker. I'm only thirty. Don't do this to me. I am not ready for this. Yeah, we don't do need not the do this to me. Yet. They call me an it's elder. So emo. much worse. It gets <laughs> when when your radio playlist at eighteen becomes the Trader Joe's playlist you look forward to. Seriously, you know what? It's super hurtful because one of my like <laughs> one of the people that I work with, like who is my employee, was like, "Marvin, you listen to this music? Of oh, fucking course, I listen to the music. How old do you think I am?" They're like, "Well, I don't know. I thought you were like 40. Ah. <laughs> what? Don't, don't I'm be about to fire you just for I, that. Not I, really. I had a realization today is that you were two years old when I got my first tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you got tattoos as old as you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at that. I don't mean to laugh at that. Because later <laughs> on, when there are other kids out there, I'm going to be telling them the same thing. It's like, my tattoo is older than you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to enjoy it. I mean, like, I love it because uh, as a kid, I used to think how ridiculous it would be to be an old man cruising in a car listening to Snoop. <laughs> it's really? It's, like it's, it's wild because... And it's hilarious because it's happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's wild because they'll call, like, the 80s, like, oldies now, but not, like, uh-huh. true old mm-hmm, school mm-hmm, because right. they, they'll distinctively make old school anything prior to the 80s but oldies is 80s and 90s <laughs> no oldies is still 50s and 70s so uh, like they're 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 distinctively calling some of them some like mm. is labeling it or something yeah, i don't remember they, they've all moved over to k-fog in the bay yeah <laughs> yeah but like they'll say things like dad's music station yes K-Fog. Yeah, but they'll call yeah, it like turn classics down the or oldies spheres. or something no I'm one like, wants to hear that yeah they'll call it classics <laughs> or oldies or something We're like motherfuckers I grew up listening to this. It's not that old. I'm not that old. I don't even have kids yet. Don't put this evil on me. <laughs> I, I think they did that on V101. They they do. They say they play the classics and the hits. Uh-huh. Like, but they just played. Oh, um, they played yeah. Lucky they Star. That, they yeah. Call, yeah. Well, not, yeah. Lucky Star. But they played yeah, and he's like, "That's not that old, man. <laughs> I'm not that old. I was out when that song came out. What's wrong with y'all? I'm like, no, this is an old song. Aging's tough." Yeah, they played uh, something by Wheezy on some radio yeah. station recently. Like, yeah, get ready for the classics. Like, this is a 15-year-old song. <laughs> I'm not even legally allowed to buy this song a drink. What are you doing? That's why I stay up with the latest. I listen to Skrillex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right next to your corn playlist? You mean from first to last? You mean from first to last? 
Have you heard about this freak on a leash thing? <laughs> All the rage. Oh no, that sounds pretty old. I've been listening to this band called First Alaska. Guys, have you heard about it? <laughs> wow. No, no. First Alaska. Oh yeah, that's what uh, Skrillex was before her first was before he was Skrillex. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, so in before everybody says it, Skrillex fan before he was Skrillex. <laughs> I could see you getting down on Skrillex. Oh, I wasn't in Skrillex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was disappointed in Skrillex <laughs> when he became Skrillex, but it's okay. I understand why. He had vocal issues. He had to have a surgery. This yeah. was a choice he made that I respect. I he didn't like it, but sweat, okay. But it's all right. All right, you Skrillex fan. Why don't you go tell them all your social media they can find you? <laughs> I'm talking to you. He said the Skrillex fan. I'm a joke Skrillex fan. I was uh, really I'm a first to last fan. Thank you very much. But but if you're all interested, you can find me on IG at StarvingMarvin09. Uh, potential SoundCloud soon to be out. Hey. To be determined. But for now, IG StarvingMarvin09. Mm-hmm. Auntie Vice. You can meet, reach me at AuntieVice.com, LoveLettersToAUnicorn.com, Auntie Vice on most social media, and in your local bookstore and at Amazon. Hey, she's gonna she's gonna get her she's got an editorial on a in a magazine coming up. No, Not, no, I have oh, a one hundred So in Bust uh, hmm. magazine coming out August this year, um, I'm I'm their one handed read about nice. two non binary so, folks who end up having a hookup in Sutter Garage. It's pretty hot. Nice. So basically, nice. you got you gone into Playboy version of writing stories. I must add, she has a very great, great comedy stylings for all <laughs> you interested. Mm-hmm. She was a blast. <laughs> Interesting. You can find Iambic and me at Iambic Z. That is I A M B I C Z, as in zebra, not zebra, zebra. I N E. A British. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. <laughs> Thank you. And yes, for coming on. <laughs> Second time being on the show and gave it another low score. We don't know what you like. <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, at this I don't point, we might have to ask and yes to recommend us some movies. I mean, poetry based movies. If I can find a good poetry based movie, I will absolutely throw it your way. You know what? Honestly, I kind of wish you were in uh, the episode where we did We the Animals. I actually would have been really interested. To yeah. Wait, we, which one you broke up a little bit? Oh, we are sorry. animals. We, oh, we, are, we are animals. I personally so good. Think, I personally think you that would have been right up your alley. That was a fantastic movie about a child kind of finding his place in the world in what is essentially an immigrant family. And while he doesn't admit to it because he is not aware of the vocabulary, the vernacular, but Clearly, queer, mm. and I would have loved to hear your opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get back to you on that. I'll watch it. Like, <laughs> like, episode recording hey, or not, I would love episode. to hear <laughs> your opinion. I'll stitch you in because I got now fixed the episode you were on. Just like five minutes. Yeah, if you watched it, on, uh, listen on Podbean. Uh, the the episode on Slam um, on Slam was only five minutes long. <laughs> well, in that case, we must bring you back for a third episode where we. That's right. Yes. We will. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) The longest thing to do a podcast ever. Thank you, Angus, for coming out. It's because we enjoy it.
once again from Auntie Vice and Marvin. I am Toronto. This is I Am a Poetry Podcast, and we present real poetry. Peace. Max Love also y'all. says bye. Love being on here. This is 6-5 what? Never mind. <laughs>